What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amitalaki TIS podcast with Jai Shields. Yours truly, Jai Shields here. Have a busy show for you uh, today. Uh, not, we'll tie a bow on the 2019 NBA Finals, being the Raptors are the new NBA champions of the 2018-2019 season. We'll touch in a little bit on NBA free agency with Kawhi Leonard, does he stay or go? Anthony Davis got traded to uh, the Lakers last Saturday. Lonzo Ball also heads to New Orleans as well. I'll touch on the abomination that is my Baltimore Orioles. And I'll touch on May Machado and the situation going on with him and the Umpires Association. And then when Encarnacion getting traded to the Yankees uh, earlier this week. But first things first, for at least the last time, we will lead it last time for a good little while as we head into the uh, summer. And baseball becomes the uh, primary uh, sport of, of note until... Uh, until about mid-late August, when then we start start talking about football. But f- at least for the last time in a little while, our lead for this show, once again, is the NBA Finals. Game 6 between the Toronto Raptors and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, it last turn, Golden State got that last game, got one more game out of Oracle Arena. And they lost all three of them. We'll talk about a way to close out your... Arena that's been that you've played in for forty seven for forty seven years, and the last three games you ever play in that thing, you lose all three straight games. Not to mention you lose to Toronto in the regular season at Oracle as well. They lost one fourteen to one ten, just as a refresher. Kawhi Leonard put up twenty two point six rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block. Pascal Siakam, 10 points, 3 assists, a steal and a block. Uh, and then Kyle Lowry and Freddie Van Fleet uh, both had over 20 points. Kyle Lowry had 26.7 rebounds, 10 assists. Freddie Van Fleet had 22 points, 2 rebounds, and a steal. Serge Brock had 15 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists. Uh, just to wrap up the series, you know, what can I say? The Raptors now... Uh, okay, let me touch on Raptors first. Raptors, sh- congratulations to them, their fan base. They absolutely deserve this every bit of uh, credit that they get. Now, granted, the championship was a little tainted, and I'll get to that later on, but what a phenomenal job by them. Uh, keeping their foot like I like I told you back in uh, late May, like I told you, in order for Toronto to win this series and to be crowned NBA champions, they have to keep their foot on the necks of Golden State from game one and do and whatever you do, do not look back. And they they can't they were a little they were a little sloppy in game two. Uh they they kinda had us worried in game five, but for the most part, they did what they needed to do, and and that was to keep the foot on the necks of the Golden State Warriors, and don't let them, and don't, basically don't let them get competitive to the point where they have a slither of hope, and you know Golden State once they get a slither of hope and their shots shots start to fall, it's open season towards the opponent, 
and just a phenomenal job by um, Nick Nurse in his first season as Raptors head coach. Uh, Kawhi Leonard coming in on a one-year deal uh, after, uh, you know, bailing out on, uh, I'll call for what it is, bailing out on uh, San Antonio. He comes to Toronto, new city, new country, new coach, new everything, new teammates, and what he does, uh, and what he does, he basically goes to town, not just in this, not just in this series, but during the entire postseason, Kawhi Leonard, for the entire uh, postseason, he averaged 31 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, and a, and a steal and shot 40 and shot just about 50 percent from the fi, from the field and shot 89 at the free throw line so not just in these finals but i mean he listen he averaged a he averaged a 30 point over 30 points every playoff game he played and shot about 50 from and shot about 0.2 ticks below 50 uh from the field what a phenomenal job Kawhi Leonard did in these NBA playoffs, and it continued all the way up until the NBA uh, Finals, where he, you know, he had some, he had, there were some games where he was a little, he could have did better than what he did, but, I mean, he, he, what, he, what, it wasn't like Kawhi, Kawhi, excuse me, Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Leonard, it wasn't like Kawhi Leonard wasn't a slouch in the game, though. Every game he played in, he had an impact one way or another. Now, where there's some games where he, where he, you know, he was better. He was better in some games than he was in the other. Yeah, of course. But again, 31 points, nine rebounds, just about four assists, a steal and a half per game, and shooting 50% from the field and 89% of the line. That is a pretty darn good uh, playoff playoff go around for Kawhi Leonard. Granted, being on a one-year contract, playing in a new city, playing in a new country, you know, switching from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference, new teammates, you know, you see the Eastern opponents more and everything else. Dealing with a first-year head, dealing with a first-year uh, head coach, I believe Nick Nurse Frisbee. I'll check that, but. But dealing with Nick Nurse and him and it being his first year in Toronto, that is a that is a good job by the uh, by the uh, Toronto Raptors, and what and what they and what they had done uh, in these finals. I mean, what a what a fantastic job by them. Now, granted, the championships tainted because you know they had they didn't have Clay Thompson for a few for a few games. You know, he tore his ACL. Kevin Durant played tw played about eleven minutes in the entire uh, series by itself and sat out the first three four games. So you got to keep that in mind. But still, it, it's it's tainted, and I know the Toronto Raptors fandom want to hear this. Because, you know, let us enjoy our championship in peace and let's move on. But at the same time, it's not like that you guys took down the Splash Brothers and Kevin Durant and played every game. If it was that, then I'd be going even more crazy on the, on the great job that the Raptors did. But due to circumstances that they couldn't control, it's not their fault. The, the, they beat a, depl the, a depleted Warriors team that, A, they had every right to beat. I mean, up 3-1, I mean, come on, you got to get it done. But they beat a depleted Warriors team, and they kept their foot on their neck, 
and they didn't left uh Steph, and they basically didn't left Steph Curry beat him. Or or uh when Thompson was out was out there playing they, they didn't let him beat them either. I mean Curry put up forty seven points, but if you remember Golden State lost that game over fifteen points. So even when Steph Curry went off and was making threes left and right, the Raptors made sure that they didn't that they didn't give uh, Golden State any ideas. But a congratulations to them. Kawhi Leonard, what a phenomenal, phenomenal postseason that he had that he had on display from the months of uh, mid April all the way up to mid June. I mean, going going back to the to the bounce to the quadruple bounce buzzer beater on Mother's Day in Game Seven of the second round against Philly. Which I thought was a, excuse me. Which I thought was a nail in the coffin. Anyway, I, I I had a weird feeling that the Raptors were gonna go to the championship, considering a that dramatic, that exciting play like that happened. You had you had a feeling that the Raptors, you know, it, it might be something special and that they could make a push to play in the NBA Finals. And and if Kawhi stage was, I hope he does. We're gonna get into that later in the program. But even you, but if he does stay, you can make the argument that that is basically was the uh, straw that broke the camel's back, and leading uh, Kawhi to stay was that buzzer beater and and the bond between him and Toronto, and that the Wallabies have just for that buzzer beater alone, and then on top of that, getting them their first, taking them to their first NBA Finals appearance in franchise history, and having them win their first NBA. Uh, championship or franchise history. You got yes, first year yes, first year head coach for uh, Dick Nurse. Okay, first year ever ever on the head coaching level. Okay, just I uh, had to get had to research that and get that out the way. But even still, what a phenomenal job by the Toronto Raptors. And if you are like me and a Golden State hater. And a person that despises Golden State finds Curry annoying and a complete pain in the hind parts, and and doesn't uh, and doesn't care for uh, Drake, excuse me, doesn't uh, care for Draymond Green or uh, Kevin Durant. Well, we all got what we wished for, and that was Golden State to finally go down to these finals, something that they have not done since losing, uh, since blowing a 3-1 lead against the Cavs back in 2016. And uh, instead of the Cavs, you know, who had to make a comeback, Toronto got ahead early. You know, the series was tied at one point, but other than the series being tied for about, for about a game, Toronto, for the most part, had the lead in this series and never looked back. And uh, and they took down Golden State. And with Golden State, without their two superstar players and Clay and Kevin Durant, who will not and and you can and you can kind of expect. You know, it's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. You kind of expect Kevin Durant to uh, stay with the Warriors. Dub Nation, he loves the fans. He loves his teammates. You know, he loves the whole bit of uh, being a Golden State Warrior. You would think that Kevin Durant would sign a short-term deal, about three, four years, spend a year of it rehabbing, you know, just so he doesn't have to worry about, you know, he signs with the Knicks. He has to get used to new training staff, do this, do that, and hustle and bust around the city with a bad Achilles and everything else. Well, I just stay with uh, the same organization with the trainers and the doctors and the medical staff that you're knowing you're familiar with and just and just heal up at least for that year, 
you know, sign a two-year deal, spend the first year of it rehabbing, collect the paycheck, and then the second year try to go out with one, uh, try to win your third championship with Golden State, and then go test free agency. But anyway, that's up to uh, Kevin Durant what he deems plausible for him. But it, but again, if even if Kevin Durant, you know, he'll miss most of. Be interested to see how Golden State looks next season. It'll basically just be Curry running the show, and let's see how good of a leader and how good of a uh, motivator and how good of a uh, point guard flying solo Steph Curry is with no Clay Thompson and no Kevin Durant for the majority of the 2019-2020 season. That is remain to be seen and I, and everybody will be uh, all over will be all over that as soon as we get closer to 2019-2020 and be a season. I'll touch on NBA free agency and Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis right after this. As we come back, just want to sh- give a birthday shout, happy birthday shout out to my man Mike Babchek, uh, co-host of the Morning Men on SiriusXM Mad Dog Sports Radio Channel Eighty Two. You can hear his show weekday afternoon, weekday mornings, excuse me, from six a.m. to ten a.m. Eastern. Uh, once again, Mad Dog Sports Radio Channel Eighty Two, SiriusXM. And streaming on the SiriusXM app, of course. Uh, our little pal there. Just want to put that out there on the board. Uh, st- uh, staying with the NBA, now switching to NBA free agency, which will be the talk of the town from basically now until uh, when all the free agents are signed. Who who knows how soon or how long that will be. But, you know, the uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, whatever his name is... Uh, Evan Cohen, Mike Babchek's cohort, and Nick Wright, who's also on Mad Dog Sports Radio, and and uh, Stephen A. and uh, even I love Stevie A. But you know, but the NBA, I mean, my gosh, oh my! The thing about the NBA is that it gets more attention and more national TV attention, and they they get more juice out of their free agency and the off the court crap than they do with the actual games, which is a problem in and of itself, but, you know, and uh, he and Jake Simmons, you know, uh, my pal Jake Simmons, you know, Simmons on sports, basically breaking down uh, Kyle Kuzma's uh, rebound, rebound game, uh-uh, that's not championship radio, but, uh, or podcasting, whatever you want to call it, but anyway, then you can break down the NBA to the cows, come on, me on your hand, I'm do, I'm doing NBA free agency unless I have to, okay? So in a day in the, in the middle of July, you're not going to hear me speculate where, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving is going to go. No, 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 no. And if there's something in baseball or something big in the NFL I or in uh, college football or even golf, you know, if Tiger Woods is doing anything of note, I'm gonna spend some time on it, you know. Unless again, what I have to deal with with Anthony Davis getting traded to the Lakers, I won't. You will not hear me do uh, basically Wendy Williams over the NBA free agency. I am not doing that under any circumstances. If if something breaks, I'll give my thoughts on it. But I'm not going to be sitting around all hours of the day speculating where uh, Kyrie Irving and D'Angelo Russell are going to go. And why and why I think D'Angelo Russell may sign with this team, you know, that 
no, that 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 stuff bores me to tears. I'm sorry, and uh, this is my show, and I do what I please, and and I, and I guarantee you hear that enough from the people who do this for a living. So I'm not gonna touch on this, and I do this for a hobby. I'm not gonna waste my time with that. Again, something big breaks, I'll touch on it then, but. But for the most part, I'll give you stuff on what's happening, actual sports on the field sorts type stuff uh, for the time being. But switching to NBA free agency, I'll touch on Kawhi first because we just did the Raptors for the championship. And then I'll touch on Anthony Davis. Kawhi, you can't kill him if he leaves. Osa City, nothing. Uh, came there f- with a first year head coach. First, first, uh, first time a head coaching a basketball team on any level, and first year head coach of the Toronto Raptors. New teammates, new country, new city, new environment. One year deal. Kawhi Leonard comes in, you know, gets the uh, gets Toronto to the playoffs. Playoff time comes, sets the world on fire. Buzzer beater to beat Philadelphia in that game seven on Mother's Day. Leads the Raptors to their first Eastern Conference Championship in franchise history and their first NBA Finals appearance in franchise history. When the, they beat Golden State, who's going who's going for a three-peat, fourth, also they're trying to go for a three-peat and their fourth championship in five seasons. They take care of Golden. Uh, they take care of Golden State and Steph Curry with a championship. He owes the city nothing. Like to see him stay, but if he leaves, you can't kill him because he came and he did what he needed to do, and that was to win a championship. And he fulfilled on that, and the entire country of Toronto, of uh, Canada, and the entire city of Toronto, and the entire Raptors fan base, we forever grateful and will love Kawhi Leonard to the end of the earth for what he did this past season. But yeah, but that's that. Uh if he stays, which I think he should, uh and here are the reasons why. Country loves you, fans love you, city loves you. You are the number one guy and basically the NBA's only Canadian market. So you'll be loved for, you'll be loved and you'll be talked about as far as basketball is concerned on a local level from Toronto all the way west of Vancouver you know you you, you have you have a you you're a, you're a, you're a big you're a bigger you're a big fish on a small pond but but when you have an NBA championship and they love you and you're as big in that city and you're as big in that and you're as big as that country as you are and and as you've become over the past few months it it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt to stay and if i'm Kawhi leonard i'd stay you know he's like well he's from la and he loves la and the sunshine and the family and 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 everything else well he he can live in la for six months out of the year he he can live in la from mid-june to September and then come October and stay from October to May in, in uh Toronto. He's got he's got the money can afford it. Ha, ha, have an off season home in uh in uh, in LA in LA somewhere in Orange County. So live there during the off season and then come and and live up in uh Toronto d- during the season. I mean, I think, and and if Kawhi Leonard keeps up with with the phenomenal play that he's had as of late, 
and leads the Raptors to a two more Eastern Conference Finals and NBA Finals appearances and even a one or two more championships down the road. You want to talk about a guy who's going to be a practically one of Toronto's, the, the Raptors, one of the Raptors, if not the greatest Raptor of all time, if Kawhi Leonard keeps this up and will be put up there on the route, the Mount Rushmore of Toronto sports, uh, of Toronto sports that would consist, at least uh, to me, what only consists of two people: Joe Carter, who hit a walk-off home run to help to get to basically clinch the Blue Jays winning their second straight World Series, in, uh, back in the early '90s, and then you'd have Kawhi Leonard doing doing what he's already done and getting the Raptors their first ever NBA championship. And if he, and if he keeps this up, it leads them to a few more, one or two more championships and a few more championship appearances. Who knows how big Kawhi Leonard would be in, in that country and in that town. And if you ask me, I, I, I think he should stay. It, it'd be, it, he, he would be better. He'd be better off. He'd be the only guy there. He wouldn't have to play second fiddle to LeBron or Anthony Davis in L.A. Regardless if he signs with the Lakers or the Clippers, he still would play uh, third fiddle to those two guys because when it comes to basketball, A, the Lakers are first, and B, if, especially if the Lakers have LeBron on it or some big superstar like that, you're also automatically go, go, going to uh, play secondary and, and be in their shadow. So why be in the shadow to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, or the Lakers when uh, and, and play for and play for the lowly Clippers and play in a in a decently competitive Western Conference where you can play in the Eastern Conference easier competition, you know you have to go through Giannis and uh, Philadelphia with with Ben Simmons who can't shoot and a Bead who never plays because he because he has no mental he has no mental or physical toughness about him. And you can just basically be like LeBron and the Cavs and make it to the finals for for four or five straight years in a row. That that's what that's what I would do. Me personally, I would stay with Toronto, and uh, ride ride the ship to see how many NBA finals I can uh, I can make with with me and my uh, me and my uh, buddies Freddie Van Fleet, Kyle Lowry, and uh, Pascal Siakam, with Nick Nurse running the helm and uh, head coach. Switching gears now to Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis was traded on a on a on a, uh, a Saturday. He was tried. He was traded to uh, the Los Angeles Lakers for. Uh, let me see if I can just read it. For you at infinitum. Uh, okay. They traded the Pelicans traded Anthony Davis to the Lakers for Lonzo in exchange for Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and three first round draft picks. And when you're the LA Lakers, you have LeBron James, who's not getting any younger, entering his seventeenth season in the NBA. You're about winning now, and uh, and uh, the Lakers clearly 
put that message out there as they traded three first-round picks in order for them to get Anthony Davis. And they also shipped Lonzo Ball, who I don't care what Jake said. Jake Sim is my buddy, but again, he, he is lost if he thinks Lonzo Ball is going to become some, some big-time NBA player. Absolutely lost. Has no jump shot, as Stephen A. Smith says, has no assertiveness, has no... Has no has no fire burning in him, you know. I mean, we get on Russell Westbrook a lot because it because it goes to his detriment. But he has none of that. He has none of that. I'm a kick your new, you know what inside of him that that drives him and that pushes him to be better and to defeat and to be superior than his opponent, which is something that all the all time greats have within them and know how to strike and light it up and turn the switch on. Just like that at a, at a jump of a hat. And Lonzo Ball doesn't have that. Not to mention that he can't shoot worth a squirrel fork to begin with. And his father is, is a narcissistic, disrespectful, absolute pain in the backside. And, you know, Brandon, Brandon they also shipped Brandon Edgar and Josh Hart uh, to, uh, to uh, New Orleans as well. And I got Lamar Ball sitting up here telling me, oh, the Lakers will never win anything. They will never win a championship. It's the worst trade they, they ever made. Lamar, shut up, okay? Go to hell. Will you, will you please shut up, okay? Enough. Worst trade, worst move the Lakers have ever made in my hide parts. Oh, give me a break. Lamar, can, can Lamar Ball just shut up and go away? I mean, please. I've, I've had enough of him. I've I've had I've had enough of him and him being on TV and saying these asinine, outlandish, ridiculous, stupid things that come out of his mouth. Uh, please, just shut up, and go away, go go sit in the st- do what my do what my dad does when he comes in any of my games. He he sits up in the corner, far away from everybody, sits sits quiet to himself. And, and, and if he has any criticism or has anything to say, he, he says it to me in private. And if it's going on at that time, he says it in his head. Okay, please, get, get, please, be be like my my dad and be be there physically and be there to see me and support me. But you know, keep 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 big, keep your big fat mouth shut, Lavar Ball. Okay, nobody cares what you have to say. I don't care. Outside of ESPN and Stephen A. Smith, because they put all, put you on there to get viral view to to uh, to basically help their show and help get them go viral to build up their platforms so they can get more viewers. Oh, hey, LeBron Ball was on first take. Let's flip on first take and see what Stevie A. and Max had to say. And I love Stevie. I look up to him. He has a huge influence on me. But still, gotta be honest. I mean, enough with LeBron Ball. Okay, please. Your son is not Magic Johnson. Okay, can we calm down a bit? Worst, worst trade and worst move the Lakers ever made. Oh, give me a freaking break! Worst, worst, worst move the Lakers ever made. My ass. Oh my God, Lavar, shut up and go away. Okay, enough. I am so sick of hearing Lavar ball open up his big fat mouth every single time it has something to do with his son. Lavar, get your eyes checked. Get off the weed. Get off something. Get 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 a sense of objectivity. Your son is no big time NBA basketball player. I don't care what you say. I don't care what although pal Jake says. I don't care what any Laker fan says. I don't care what Liangelo, Lamelo, Lilivi, whatever, whatever dopey idiots that is involved with that ball family. I don't care what they say. I don't. I don't. No. I, I'm not interested. Okay. Enough. 
Lonzo Ball will never, ever, ever be a big-time NBA player. And I don't care if I... I, I and it doesn't matter if he's playing in L.A., New Orleans, on the moon, in Japan, South Korea. I don't care. He will never, ever be a big-time NBA player because, A, because he doesn't have that grit. He doesn't have that grit and that moral fiber that makes every all-time great great. He, he doesn't have that. So he lacks the intangibles for one to be a great-time NBA player. Number two, the dude cannot throw the ball in the ocean to save his life. And... Don't give me this crap about, well, he's a point guard and his job is to spread the wealth and make sure that Kyle Kuzma takes 30 shots a night and to spread the wealth and to rack up assists like it's uh, like it's Halloween candy and spread the ball around and basically be Mr. Salvation Army and spread the wealth around. Don't give me that crap, okay? He's a, he's a point guard in the NBA. Put the ball in the hoop and quit farting around, okay? The prime, the objective of the sport of basketball that Dr. James Naismith created back in the late 1800s was to put the ball in the red-orange colored hoop. That is it. That is the objective of basketball. Last time I checked, they don't count points for a team for how many assists you have, okay? They don't count. They count points of how many of how many times. Per per two or three points, you put the ball in the in the freaking basket. Okay, so let so don't let uh, Levar Ball, don't let anybody on ESPN, FS1, or anyone who waxes poetic about uh, Lonzo Ball, don't let anybody tell you or people who the analytical freaks who who thinks that the point guard's job or any other idiot that thinks the point guard's job is, is to spread the ball around rather than put the ball in the hoop. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, okay? Lonzo Ball is, unless something drastic changes in New Orleans, and greater things have happened, I understand that. But don't let anybody tell you otherwise that Lonzo Ball is some big-time player because he isn't. Has he? He show he has no moral fiber. Has no has no has no guts that he that, and no fire in his stomach that can that that drives him to be better. And to be more aggressive than anybody who's on the court with him. And secondly, and most importantly, he has no jump shot to speak of whatsoever. Case closed. Beginning off the beaten bath, back to Anthony Davis. I like to trade from a Lakers perspective because, like I said, Lakers in a win-now situation. LeBron not getting any younger. 17th season in the league. Whole bit. And especially with the uh, Warriors being down with no Clay Thompson for pretty much uh for pretty much all of next season, uh and no and no Kevin Durant for the majority of next season, you can make the argument that with this Anthony Davis trade that the Lakers are the team to beat in the National Basketball Association in the Western Conference. You can make that argument right now. And with Anthony Davis, who's a big-time NBA player, better than Giannis Antetokounmpo, if you ask me, and with him and LeBron James, you can make the argument that the Lakers are the team to beat in the Western Conference to get to the NBA, that the road to the NBA Finals in the Western Conference comes through uh, LeBron James and the Staples Center. You can make that argument. And from the New Orleans standpoint, 
you know, they're they're in it. They lost the big they lost the big man superstar in Anthony Davis, but they gained one because they're in the perfect situation to draft Zion Williamson with the number one pick in the draft. So it's so it's a good so it's a good positive uh perspective from uh New Orleans standpoint because prior to them getting the number one pick in the draft lottery, how many weeks ago it was, you could make the argument as soon as Anthony Davis left, that franchise was 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 dead dead to rights. Playing in a playing in a football playing in a in a football state being LSU football SEC football and the Saints of course you can make the argument that that team was dead left to right if they had no Zion Williamson to speak of to uh, to draft in this upcoming NBA draft but they do which saves them and who knows maybe they can change Lonzo Ball's shot while they're at it. Back after the coming after the uh, break, I will touch on get to a little baseball and I'll touch on the Orioles right after this. Welcome back to Yamato Like a TIA's podcast. Switching gears now to the baseball diamond. And switching gears now to the lowly pathetic embarrassing disgraceful hideous disgusting team that is the 2019 Baltimore Orioles Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to let you know that I take no pleasure in what I'm about to say. I don't like that I have to bash my favorite team constantly on my podcast. A team that I've grown up loving since I was a little kid. I don't take pleasure in doing that. I don't take pleasure in calling out people by name and and basically lame-basting a team that I grew up watching, grew up loving since I was a little kid. I don't take pleasure in doing that. But in the business that I'm trying to break into, you call things for what they are. And you tell the truth. And like the title of the show, you gotta sometimes you gotta tell it like a TI is. And I'm here to tell you that Brandon Hyde Stinks at his job. Stinks at his job. He is awful. He is an awful, egregious, major league manager. He is that bad. Ladies and gentlemen, the Orioles have lost... Eight games in a row. Excuse me, nine games in a row. They've lost nine games in a row. They have not won a baseball game since June 11th at home against the Toronto Blue Jays. They have not won a road game since June 8th in Houston. They are that bad. They are that bad, ladies and gentlemen. And 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 it, and it pains me to know 
of it, and it pains you don't know how much it pains me for me to have to go on here and and bash the Orioles the way I the way I have to do it because it 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 does not feel good. It does not feel good that I have to sit up here week after week after week after week. Episode after episode after episode after episode after episode to bash this disgusting, awful, embarrassing excuse of a baseball team. I do not take pleasure in doing that. Ladies and gentlemen, throughout this nine-game winning streak, they've only scored more than five runs once. And it was six they scored six. They scored six when they lost to the Blue Jays on June the 4th. And they scored six when they lost Sunday against the Red Sox. If you do the math of all of the runs that they have scored throughout their losing streak by each game, six plus three plus two plus two. Plus six, plus two again, plus two again, plus three, plus two. That comes out to 28 runs. You want to know how many runs the opponents have scored any, that in the games that the Orioles have lost? Well, here you go. Eight. Twelve. 13, 7, 8, 3, 16, 8, 5, add those up, 8, Plus the 12, plus the 13, plus the 7, plus the 8, plus the 3, plus the 16, plus the 8, plus the 5. Ladies and gentlemen, throughout this disgusting losing streak, the Orioles have been outscored 80 runs to 28. 80 run let me repeat that one more time 80 runs to 28 the run differential minus 52 you know what you want to know what the run differential is in this season negative 174. They've won less than 10 home games this season. They are 1 and 9 in their last 10 games. They're 26 and a half out of the first place New York Yankees with a 280 win percentage. Brandon Hyde is mostly to blame for this. And I don't want to hear well, have you seen the roster? Have you seen the farm system that we have? I understand that we 
uh, that from top to bottom, we have a for the most part, we have a bunch of scrubs that have no business being on a major league roster of any of any kind. I understand that. I understand that this that we have like mostly a triple A lineup playing at the major league level. I understand that. I understand that we don't have that much talent going on in our minor league system right now. I understand that. And I get that. But for the love of all that is holy, quit using the fact that we are a rebuilding team as an excuse for this disgusting, excuse, I hit my phone, for this disgusting, despicable, god-awful garbage that me and Orioles fans from here in Baltimore, down south to Miami, up north all the way up to northern Vermont, and as west as Honolulu, Hawaii, and as north as Nova Scotia. Us, me, and Oriole fans everywhere should not have to stomach this garbage. We shouldn't. We don't deserve it. We did nothing to deserve it. And considering how close this franchise was from making their first World Series since 1983, it was a five short, it was a short five years ago. This team was four wins away from playing in their first ever World Series since 1983. It was four short years ago when this team was one of the best in all of baseball. It was four short years ago, or excuse me, five short years ago, 2015, or 2014. It was five short years ago this team won the division. Five short years ago, this team had the second best record in the American League. Five short years ago, they were four wins away from winning an American League pennant championship. Five short years ago, we were that close from doing something that hasn't happened since my father was in kindergarten. And that was to go to a World Series. And I was to go to a World Series. Ladies and gentlemen, for the most for the majority of my life, the Baltimore Orioles have been a complete, utter losing factory of sadness. That's that that's what they've been. From two thousand two to two thousand eleven. Nothing but sub five hundred putrid, disgusting, god-awful, hideous Orioles baseball. And Buck Showalter came and gave me and plenty of young Orioles fans that weren't around for 1983 or were too young to remember 1996 and 1997 gave us what winning baseball felt like in the city of Baltimore. What playing a postseason baseball game felt like. He 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 allowed us to to feel what it's like to see the Orioles and not see and to see the ninety 
and to see the the digit of a number consisting 90 in the win column and not in the loss column. He made it he made us he made us see what it was like to finally see the Orioles at the top of the division instead of at the very bottom of the division. And me and plenty of young Orioles fans in, in Baltimore will be forever grateful for what Buck Showalter did in his short but unsuccessful attempt to fully turn around this franchise. A franchise part has been driven into the ground by the fat, gluttonous, frugal, cheap, piece of crap owner and Peter Angelos who never wants to spend any money on any big time players unless your name is Chris Davis then he'll give you $161 million and you can go up there and and, and go 0 for 54 in your next 54 at bats with an 0 for 20 something to begin the new season if, you, if you're Chris Davis you, you can do that but God forbid if you're Adam Jones, Manny Machado, Nick Marcakis, uh, you know, Nelson Cruz or Andrew Miller or you know, God forbid you're 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 an all star player who can who can play and has Hall of Fame talent. God forbid you that. You know, Mike Mussina, I go on and on and on. Eddie Murray well, no, that's Eddie Murray's a bad example. But you know, Mike was God forbid you're any one of those players, or else Peter Angelos or else Peter Angelos will cut your legs right out from under you. God forbid you're one of those players. But if you're Chris Davis, you get a hundred and sixty one million dollars for 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 seven to eight years. And oh by the way, you're allowed to go over fifty four and you're allowed to go over 54 in the major leagues and still get a paycheck. You're allowed to do that. No repercussions. No takebacks. You're allowed to basically be an, a walking national abomination to the sport of baseball and still get paid. You're allowed to do that. This team is awful. 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 Whether it's the bullpen, and when I say bullpen, I mean Michael Givens, David Hess, Miguel Castro, whoever, Dan Straight. Dan Shelley, who stinks. I don't care who it is. God forbid the Orioles have a have a have a lead on a tight game late in the, in the ball game, and and and, the, and lo and behold, the Orioles bullpen will flush that will flush that lead down the toilet so fast you forget you even had it. David Hess, awful. Pitched in 15 games this season as is one and nine with a 7.36 ERA. Are you kidding me? Miguel Castro pitched in 31 games, 0 and one with a 5.92 ERA. Dan Straley, two and four with a 9.2 ERA. 
Paul Fry, one and three with a four point seven five ERA. You must be kidding me. This garbage roster? And you mean to tell me, Brandon Hyde, that you can't motivate your players enough to get in in their grits enough, to get in their face, yell and cuss and scream at whatever you got to do to motivate these bunch of clowns to know how to pitch and to know how to close a game out? You mean to tell me that? You mean to tell me that you don't have like a soul of gumption or have any muster inside of you to get inside your fa- inside your play to get up in your player's face, cuss them out, and get loud and get nasty with them, and say, "Look, I'm not sitting there and hear y'all fart around and 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 have to put up with you all blowing another lead again late." This team can't hit. They can't hit enough as it is. So when so when we score five or six runs. For the love of all that is holy, can you guys get your crap together, grow a pair and gra- grab it, sniff it, sniff your hand, whatever you got to do, do it on Gus, Glory, Moral 5, whatever you got to do, hold this lead and quit giving up so easy and letting the opponent get back in like a bunch of little leaguers? Can you do that for me, Brandon Hyde? Instead of sitting up at the press conference going, well, I like the way our guys competed today. Uh, we were competitive at the end. Uh, we were competitive at the end. We kept the game close, and I appreciate the way our guys competed today. And then I can go to sleep at night knowing that as long as we competed and we did our best, uh, that that's good enough for me. <laughs> that's all, folks. Shut up. Just to know that our guys competed. We we played a game for championships, not participation trophies, Brandon Hyde. Okay. Paul Fry going in a game in two thirds on June the twelfth, giving up two runs is not acceptable. It shouldn't be that as soon as you take David Hess out of the game, literally every member that you pull out, pulled out of the Orioles bullpen, gave up or gave up a, uh, or excuse me, I said Paul Fry had two runs, he had two hits. It shouldn't be acceptable that Castro and Phillips come in the game and they give up two runs both. Not to mention the fact they both walk a batter. That's not acceptable. I don't care if you're tanking. I don't care if you're in quote unquote rebuild. Quit using the excuse of the of the quote unquote rebuild and the fact that we that we are that we have a garbage roster pretending to be a major league baseball team. Quit using that as an excuse for pitiful for pitiful performances. That's like that's like a kid coming on to his parents and saying, "Well, I didn't. Well, you know, I didn't do well as well as uh, as well as as well as Matt because because he's a on the math test because he because he's just he's just naturally gifted and and just naturally smarter than I am and naturally better at me than at math." 
you came home with your pa- if you came home and told your parents or your boss that crap that well you just couldn't do it because naturally someone someone you worked beside you is just naturally better than you and just has natural better God gifted ability than you have, they look at you up and down and look at you cross eyed and want to slap you upside the head like you crazy or something. Well, as long as I tried my best, that's something I. That's something. That's something that you would you that you tell your little uh, t-ball team. Well, as long as you tried your best, that's what counts. You are major league baseball players making millions of dollars trying to and you trying to. I can't. Even, I can't. <laughs> I'm stammering and stuttering because I I can't. You're not even competing for a championship. As long as you tried your best, what are we in Little League? As long as you tried your best, as long as you were competitive. Are, are you kidding me, Brandon Hyde? This is what, this is what you're going to tell me and Orioles fans now? As long as you tried your best, we'll let the fact that you that you blew yet another get, another lead after the sixth inning away. But as long as you tried your best, that's what counts and that's what matters. Are you really trying to tell me that when your team had a chance to win numerous amounts of ball games and they couldn't because they because your bull because a the way you manage your bullpen is so piss poor it it, it will it, it makes Earl Weaver roll in his grave half the time and b because his roster and this pitching rotation rotation bullpen and starter stinks and you're gonna sit up here and tell me that that's acceptable for you blowing another late game another late game lead really. And they expect me and Oriole fans everywhere from 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 four years old to ninety four years old and expect us to take this and 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 stomach this like oh well everything's okay ain't nothing wrong so that's that's like that's like your house going up in flames instead of you calling it out for what it is and saying hey my house is on fire we gotta take care of this it's like. You, you it, it, it's it's instead of you instead of you focusing on that, you sit up here and you go, well as long well as long as well as long as the fire isn't as bad as as long as the fire doesn't burn our whole house down, you know it doesn't matter that much. The point is your house is on fire, Brandon Hyde. The point is that even that even though yes they they are in no way shape or form this uh, 2019 World Series champion, but that doesn't negate the fact that they still stink and that they have to be called out on it and that and and the fact that they blew yet another lead late in the ball game. <laughs> and it's not even like the Toronto Blue Jays or the New or the or the Yankees or the Rays are going up against. This is the Toronto Blue Jays. A team that hasn't been good since Edwin since 2016, since Edwin Encarnacion hit that ball to basically Niagara Falls because Buck Showalter didn't put Zach Britton in the uh, wild card playoff game. Well, as long as we, try, I mean, you should hear this. As long as we try to, we're not competing for participation trophies here, Brandon Hyde. We're trying to compete to win ball games. You just came from Chicago that had to wait 108 years for their first championship. They were playing for a championship. 
not a freaking participation trophy. And well, as long as one's all happy, jolly, and satisfied, we can all go home. Regardless what the score is on the board. As Herm Edwards used to say, you play to win the game. And especially at one point in the game, you have a golden opportunity to seal it and win the game. It's no excuse. I don't care if you I don't care if you are 30 games above 500 and in first place by 15 games or if you're in last place 30 games below 500 and out of first place by 50 games. I don't care. When you are in a position to win the game, you finish the deal. I don't care what sport it is. I don't care how well or how poor your team is. I don't care. When you're in a position to win a game, you close the deal and you win and you finish and you win the game. I don't care how bad or I don't care how bad or how good you are, how bad or how good your opponent is. When you are put in the opportunity to close the deal out and win the game, you close it out and you win the game. Don't sit up here and give me this crap about, well, I'm happy. Well, I'm happy the way the way we competed out there. Really? Your pitching, your pitching staff naturally gives up five runs every game, five six runs every game naturally. I mean, I gave you the numbers. They got out. They're outscored eighty to twenty eight in this nine game losing streak. Eighty to twenty eight. They got beaten to a pulp. On the 13th, 14th, 15th, 18th, beaten to a pulp. Lost 12-3 against the Blue Jays. 13-2 against the Red Sox. 7-2 last Saturday. 16-2 on Tuesday. I mean, Seriously. Cut the excuses. And it seems like now the only time Brandon Hyde get the, the grows some balls and and starts to have some a little salt and starts to get a leg, starts to actually show some guts and act like a real manager is when they get blown out the water sixteen to two. Really, Brandon. It takes your team to, to lose by fourteen runs in order for you to wake up and get a grip. And to call it out, and to call and to call it out for what it is—that the team stinks, and that that this god awful bullcrappy play will not be tolerated. It takes a sixteen to two loss against the Oakland A's in order for you to realize that. But losing twelve to three against the Toronto Blue Jays didn't. Or blowing a lead late the night before. It didn't take that either. Or losing 13-2 by the defending champion Boston Red Sox on your home stadium. They didn't take that either. Or blowing another lead to the Red Sox on Sunday. Or your bats disappearing and your pitching stinking up the joint. Losing on Saturday 7-2. It didn't take that. But it takes a 10-1-6 inning by the small market, deadbeat, broke Oakland A's in order for you to wake up and get a grip. 
and 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 have and have enough balls to call guys out in front of them in front of the media and to their faces. It, it, it takes it takes a sixteen to two butt whooping in order for you to, to not sleep so well at night. If you to be somewhat angry and unsatisfied with how the game went. It takes that. But it doesn't take but losing one run games you have a chance to win it. Yeah, yeah, it really doesn't matter as long as we try our best. Really? Yet your head is ready to explode when you get smacked 16 to 2. Again, uh, giving up 10 runs in one single freaking inning. It takes that for you to get upset. Not not losing a tight ball game when you have a chance to win, but instead your but instead your bullpen implodes and you give it up and you can't win. But it doesn't take that. It takes your pitching to implode from the beginning rather than the end. You get more upset when your team didn't have a chance to win from the get-go than you do when your team had a chance to win, but they got the, but they got in their own way, so they couldn't win. And you get less upset about that than you do when the game's over by the fifth inning. And then you sit up and you wonder why you lose because in because in the majority of time in these tight games you put in you put in Michael Gibbons and he pees all over himself, giving up home runs left and right, walking guys can't locate his pitches, losing his command. I mean seriously. I mean, on Father's Day. I mean, how many how many blown saves does it have to take, Brandon Hyde, for you to realize, wake up, get your hands from out of your hind parts, and realize that Michael Givens is no closer? How many blown leads, how many blown saves, how many losses does it have to take in order for you to wake up, smell the coffee, and realize that Michael Givens stinks as a closer on a Major League Baseball level? How many times? He blew the lead and he blew the save in the ninth inning. And then you sit up here and have the temerity, the audacity, and the undermitigated gall, and the absolute arrogance and cluelessness to put him to put him back there out out there in the tenth. Like you don't know what's fitting to happen. Well, I tell you what's fitting to happen. Another another home run went over the wall in favor of the Boston Red Sox. That's what happened. Mike Gibson is 0-4 with a 5.28 ERA. He's blown more saves than any than anybody in the sport as of right now. And his excuse for putting Givens in the game was, well, he well he 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 had four or five days off, so a matter of him pitching, he was going to pitch anyway because he had four or five days off. Hide. Shut the hell up. Please.
You lost the previous night 7-2. What were you waiting for to put him in the game? You could have put him in in the 8th. You could have put him in the ninth. On the 15th, last set, last uh, Saturday. You could have put him in the night before when you got smacked 13-2 to two and you let J.D. Martinez homer, every, homer hitting bombs left and right. What was your excuse then? When you had J.D. Martinez hitting home run balls out to the uh, out into the main lobby in the, in the Hilton Hotel across the street. Don't sit up here and give me this garbage about Wally had four or five days off. That's why I decided him to pitch. But you didn't decide him to put him in, to put him in a game. You were getting blown out thirteen to two two nights before. You didn't have enough common sense in between in between your ears. And that big Megamind dome of yours to put him in a game where you were getting smacked out the ballpark left and right? Are you kidding me? That's the, that's the ideal time to put him in the game. See if he can get himself together. The game's lost anyway. Your offense is so pathetic, you get nine hits, only capitalize two runs off of it. My goodness. Well, he had four or five days off, so that's what we want to pitch today. Really? When the, when the, mar when the margin of... When the margin of uh, victory for the Red Sox was over, was over five gate was over five runs on back to back nights. He lost seven to two the previous afternoon, and he lost thirteen to two, two two days before. Ain't gonna sit up here and tell me and blow smoke up me and everybody else's every every Orioles fans. Hind parts talking about well he had four or five days off and his turn to pitch anyway. I mean, what do you think we're stupid or something? Like, what do you take us for? What do you take us for? A fool, an idiot? You got blown out thirteen to two two nights before. Like, why could why couldn't he pitch Friday night? And don't make it seem like that you were in a big rush to put up in the game. Why out of all the situations would you put him in the game when the game is tight and you have the lead? Against a Red Sox team that was a shell of themselves from last year. Why in God's name do you put in Michael Givens with a with a with a with a tight one run lead in the ninth inning at home? Why do you do that? Uh, there there are no words. There there are no words. And 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 I'm telling you, this is this is getting old, and this this is getting very annoying. Because my patience is running tissue thin right now.
you all gonna have to pray for me, cause I I I I, I swear I, I I don't I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself. I don't know. I'll touch on Manny Machado, his one-game suspension from his behavior from last Friday, and the umpires was and the umpires being upset with the suspension, and, and Edward Encarnacion getting traded to the New York Yankees. I'll touch on that to close out the show right after this. Welcome back to I want to tell like a TIS podcast. Uh, staying with Major League Baseball, we'll go to a former Oriole and Manny Machado who got ejected last Friday for arguing balls and strikes with uh, umpire Tim Welke, I believe it was. Bill Welke, excuse me. Yes, he got ejected for arguing balls and strikes with home plate umpire Bill Welke as the Padres lost last Friday night, fourteen to eight, in an absolute slugfest. Or excuse me, Saturday night in an absolute slugfest against the Colorado Rockies. Manny Machado got ejected, didn't like it, cussed out the uh, umpire Bill Welke, dropped many of f bombs and s bombs and bs bombs through the bat against the backstop of the uh, behind home plate at Coors Field. Uh, received a one-game suspension, apparently for bumping the umpire, even though there was no physical evidence that he had bumped the umpire. Manny Machado's appealing it, uh, but the uh, my response is with the umpires. What a disgrace! They threw a one boy. I tell you, these major league umpires gotta. If the, I tell you, there's an old phrase: if you can't take the heat, get out the kitchen. And some of these umpires, I'm sorry, but they they got to learn. How, they these are grown men. Some of these guys got to learn how to grow up here, and and learn how to be a man and toughen up and man up a little bit and put your big boy pants on and quit whining and squinting like a little girl or you know like like a like a child. This this is ridiculous. The the umpires say. Umpires say. It was a disgrace that he only got a nine-game suspension. Hold, hold on now. Hold on. Really? It's a disgrace. Violently throwing his bat against the backside with absolutely no regard to anyone's safety. Violence in the workplace is not tolerated, and offenders are dealt with severally and even make made example made examples for made examples and even made examples of for the good of the employees as well as the company itself. Is this truly what Major League Baseball wants to teach our youth? Really? Really? This is the same this is this is this really? Because of the children? Let me tell y'all something. Was Manny Machado's language children appropriate? If I had a kid, would I like to see my kid read? If my kid could lip read? Do you think 
No. But, let's be honest, okay? Arguing with ball, arguing balls and strikes is going to happen. Until they either get electric umpires or universal strike zone. Arguing balls and strikes will continue to happen and that will never ever change as long as the sport of baseball is still around. Violently throwing your bat against the backstop. Really? I tell you, Manny Machado was so bad and was so hot and so angry. <laughs> they lucky he didn't take that bat and bust Bill Welke right upside his head with it. Because I guarantee if Manny Machado would to tell you behind closed doors, no, no, no hot mic anywhere, no cameras, no nothing. He, he honestly, if there were no, he would have took that. He was so hot and so angry and so mad, he could have took that bat and went up right upside Bill Welke's head with it. Honestly, and who is the Major League Baseball Umpires Association to hold Major League Baseball accountable on how to, on about the kids and 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 how to police the game because there's kids watching. Now I don't care to throw a te temp temper tantrum and physically touch someone of authority because you don't agree. They said he quote-unquote bumped him. You look at the video, he did not bump him. That's item number one. Number two, that's not violence, okay? You get into an argument with someone and, and, and you graze them and you make a slight contact, all right, fine. But he didn't bump him. And it wasn't even like Manny Machado took his fist and tried to punch him, okay? This is, this isn't him, your Donald Ventura going at it, uh, a la 2000, uh, what was it? I think, uh, uh, 16? Yeah, this isn't him and your Donald Ventura going at it, a la June of 2016, alright? So it's, let's calm down a bit. Violently, alright, fine, he was mad. Uh, it's bound to happen. Okay, David Ortiz, David Ortiz. I think it, it might have. I think if I, I, I can go back and look. I think it might have been Bill Wilkie that was behind home plate when David Ortiz didn't like didn't like a call of a home plate umpire back in two thousand and thirteen. You know what he did? He said, "P.A. went inside the dugout, took the bat, and smashed the phone into a million pieces." It's, it's part of the game. Players are going to break bats to take out their frustration. I'd rather have a player throw a bat against the backstop. Break up a phone into a million pieces or bust up a Gatorade jug. Than to take, that, than to take the bat and go upside the umpire's head. Because none of the players will tell you this publicly. But they feel like taking that bat and going right upside the umpire's heads. They're so pissed. I'll tell you what I think. I'll tell you what I know. These are these are grown out these are grown men, alpha males, with loaded up on testosterone because they're men, with with adrenaline rush and the whole bit. In the because they're in the getting because they're in the field of competition and this is their livelihood. Okay, this is what this is what pays their phone bills, this is what pays their bills and pays their mortgages and pays their car payments and everything else.
They make a lot of money, but that doesn't negate the fact that, that, that this isn't their livelihood. It, it doesn't negate the fact that, that it isn't his livelihood. So, they, so, he's just as mad. Just as mad. Uh, uh, honestly, we we've seen we've seen we've seen players break bats over their head on Bo Jackson. We've seen players break bats over their knee. We've seen them smash the smash the bat on the ground. Chris Davis. I mean, we've we've seen this. It's part of the game. Now, I understand I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily like my, you know, my seven-year-old to go around and start mimicking, mimicking that behavior per se. But you know what? When it's the, when it's your livelihood and it's something that you put your heart and soul into, and you and you have feelings, you're going to get upset. And I'd much rather, and I'd much rather, it, it'd be much better for me to explain if I had a kid. It'd be much better to explain why he threw the threw the bat up against the backstop than to take the bat and crack Bill Wilkie's head wide open with it. You know, if, if someone if someone's upset about something, I'd much rather see them go down into the basement and knock up a punching bag or to throw something or to take a bat or a stick or something and, and, and bust it up and hit it up than to than to take a gun and shoot somebody or to take that bat or stick or whatever and beat someone upside the head with it. Cause it's human nature. Get mad, you get mad and you don't necessarily want to cause physical harm to anybody. You feel you cause harm to objects. The one man with Johnny took the took the bat and threw it up against the backstop. Of course, Phil Backstop's been sitting there for over twenty years. Made out of pure, pure a pure brick brick wall. That thing ain't gonna break. Just not good of all the employees, but good for the company itself. Level of a protection from abusive behavior. Really? I mean, you umpires that freaking sensitive that you can't take a a, a, a ribbing argue, You can't take an argument from a from a from a twenty six year old ball player that cusses you out. You mean you guys are grown men? Some of y'all double Manny Machados and all and these players' ages, and you mean to tell you guys that that's soft and that's sensitive and. And and have no guts and no and no you know what to 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 take a cuss out when you throw them out of the game no less. Talking about well all employees and, and, and safety. I mean I mean what 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 type what type of bull is this? Abusive behavior. Maybe Chado didn't call. Maybe Chado didn't call him, Bill Wilkie any derogatory names. He didn't take the bat and bust him upside his head with it. He cussed him out. Plain and simple. That's all he did. Honestly, what does this teach? The MLB's events are going influential youth movement. Try to affect young fans to a game. 
the one that threw the young star out the game. Not 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 Major League Baseball. You threw him out the game. Fans pay to go see Man Machado play. You just threw him out the game. Because you didn't like the way he talked to you about balls and strikes. You don't want to throw him out the game. And if there's anything that Major League Baseball needs, it's young stars. And if, the, and if the, this umpires association is so lost thinking that the reason why Major League Baseball isn't connecting with America's youth is because of Man Machado going off and having little uh, tantrums when he gets thrown out, they, I tell you right, I tell you right now, the umpires association don't know their ass from the elbow. Swift and harsh. Really, for throwing his for throwing throwing his bat up against the backstop and cussing you out. Really, swift and harsh. And Major League Baseball for its inaction handed down to Manny Machado. He cussed you out and threw the bat. Grow up. He didn't call you any derogatory, insensitive names. He didn't make it necessarily personal. He threw the bat and he cussed you out. Keep it moving. These, I tell you, these umpires are getting more thin-skinned by the day, by the year, I tell you right now. The, the men's baseball's got five some umpires that's, that's got that's got that's got thick skin that has a little bit of a mental toughness and and and, and, and can take a cuss out and take a ribbing every now and then. Cause half these umpires, I'm sorry. I mean, my fifth, my fourteen year old sister has ha, has a has a thicker skin than some of these umpires. I mean, no harm. You say one thing to these umpires, and they'll chuck you out of the game in a heartbeat. My goodness gracious. I mean, these are grown men that are double the players' age, and they and they act like that. And they act like a bunch of teen, and they act like a bunch of teenagers. Well, he said this. He said that. I don't like the heat. That you hurt my feelings. Grow up. You guys are grown men. You guys, you guys are supposed to set the example for the players, of on of how to act and how to defuse the situation. Not add more feuds to the fire by acting like a bunch of eight-year-olds, writing writing this BS statement on on your on your little cute Facebook and Twitter feed, making it seem like that Major League Baseball's youth youth movement is stifling because of Manny Machado throwing a bat and cussing out an umpire because he didn't like a strike that was called. I, I, these umpires they, they gotta grow up. And and grow up and, and grow up here and quit being so freaking thin skinned and sensitive. Cause I mean seriously, this is a joke. Extraordinary disappointed. Can you get lost, please? Man, my child didn't didn't agree with the strike that was called. Honestly. I mean, seriously, extremely disappoint. Go away. Switching gears now. Last thing.
Edwin Encarnacion getting traded to the New York Yankees earlier in the week. He got traded to the New York Yankees. Headed uh, in, in exchange for Juan Fenn, who's, who's going to the Mariners in return. Uh, has a nine, uh, Edwin Encarnacion has $9.25 million left on the 20 million dollar old him this season after accounting for the $5 million being covered by the Rays per term of a three-team trade that bought Edwin Encarnacion from, to Seattle from Cleveland back in December. He has a $5 million buyout of a $20 million club option for the 2020 season. Uh... Yankees, you know, they've been they've been for the most part they've been banged up for the majority of the season. They're just getting Aaron Judge back, Giancarlo Stanton not too far behind. So the Yankees, you see, they needed right hand power, and they got an Elena Canacion. They basically have power one through nine throughout that lineup. Uh, Elena Canacion, you know, they're gonna put him at first va- first base. Excuse me. And they demoted Clint Frazier, who can who can hit two young star, but cannot feel. So they had to demote him to make room for Encarnacion. And you think with the Yankees, I think they're probably going to run into is that they're going to have too much, you know, have too many uh, ta- uh, talented players and too many star power for their own good to the point where, you know, come postseason time, pennant chase time. You, if you're a Yankee fan, you fear of how uh, Aaron Boone's Aaron Boone's gonna manage all that talent on one roster because that is one talented and powerful home run hitting roster from top to bottom. And you worry that if you know that the right players play at the right time, that you put them in the right lineup. It's just, I mean, Judge and Stan and Edwin Casillas and Gary Sanchez. It's a lot. And if you're a Yankee fan, you hope that. Aaron Boone will manage that lineup properly, knowing when to stick what players when, and even knowing how to go back and get guys like Frazier, who can, who like he's proven can make a contribution to the team offensively, but defensively he's been a little spotty. But that is yet to be seen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Like a TIS podcast. If you're new to the show, you like what you heard, please subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and subscribe if you haven't already. Share with your friends, family, co-workers, and sports fans alike. I'm your boy, Josh Shields. Talk to you next time. God bless. Y'all take care. See ya.